I won't ask you to um, raise your hand or speak out loud. In fact, I'd prefer if you would just, um, in your own head, answer this question. So how many of you have already, this morning, since your feet hit the ground, said a prayer to your Savior? So you, you get to answer that question to yourself. Um, <clears throat> prayer is a basic activity that many of us as Christians do. Uh, it has a spiritual purpose, certainly, around it. And... Um, even people that aren't very religious, uh, sometimes when it comes to things or events that's happening in their life, they can become very religious at a time and cry out to God. But for the most part, prayer has a very simple definition. It is talking to God. And prayer is one of the most complex things that we can do because it's talking to God. Have you ever thought about that when you pray, you're actually talking to, having a conversation with the very creator God, the creator God of all the universe that has created everything that there ever has been? You think of our, our universe and the plethora of things that God has created, and it's amazing to think that we are talking to God. When it comes to prayer in our life, sometimes we have questions. Um, how does God hear all of those prayers at one time? Uh, how does prayer work? We see a farmer that prays in the middle of a drought for rain, and we see another farmer that prays for rain in the middle of a drought, vice versa of those things, and we think, okay, um, why in the world would we need either if, God would just take care of this, you know. What is a good prayer? What is a good time to pray? What is a good length of prayer? All of these questions can arise when you talk about prayer. Uh, many of our children we have taught to pray when they go to bed. Our, um, I know when I was taught, uh, I had a prayer which all of you or some of you may have remembered. I lay me down, now I lay me down to sleep. That's what my, my mom taught me to pray. And um, there's a part of that prayer I often wondered, why would you pray that? But anyway. Um, <clears throat> so we teach our kids to pray, but it becomes almost a rote prayer. In other words, they pray it because we have taught them this is what you do when you go to bed. And this is proper behavior to say every night. And so our children repeat it. But we repeat prayers also as adults, right? Many of us have our standard go-to when we say our blessings. It's the same words over our meal. If you pray over your meal, some do, some don't, but often we will repeat the same blessing over and over again. This text today in the Sermon on the Mount is one that we will look at prayer over the next two weeks, and I've broken it up into two sections. Um, the section today is verse 5 through 8, and then next week we will look at the Lord's Prayer. Um, I had those two together, and I was telling Lori on Monday as we met that 
the more I thought about it, the more that I just didn't think that was going to be fair to the Lord's Prayer if I tried to include that today since I would have preached till 1 o'clock and just y'all wouldn't have been happy about that. And so um, I decided to break this up into two sections. And today is the purpose and practice of prayer and then next week the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles, it's chapter 6 and reading through verses 5 through 8. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen, seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. In your son's name we pray, amen. Now, some of you just said, well, Marty, you pray that prayer after you read scripture, and you've done it for 14 years, and I've actually done it for 31 years, because the very first sermon that I prayed, I used that passage and I have continued to use that passage um, for all of these years. But I think you will see that there's something about repetition as Jesus talks through this text, as Jesus teaches through this text. There, there is something about repetition that can be good if it's done the right way. So many religious people... Uh, are usually more concerned about action instead of motivation. And um, it's in as much as what um, they, they think they've done the right thing, they, they look at their action as something that's righteous before the Lord, doing the rituals and the duties that uh, come along uh, that they believe is their motivation when actually it's secondary to their motivation. Many religious people want to be seen, Jesus says. The scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus was correcting on their teaching, their practices here in the Sermon on the Mount. We only have to look at the scribes and see that they were thought that they were religious because they kept the Mosaic Law according to their interpretation of it. But they were blind to the fact that they either greatly distorted God's commands that came through Moses, or they missed the meaning of his command, and they would teach a variation of it. For example, we looked at a few weeks ago, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so the, the, the scribes were teaching that it was okay to carry out revenge. It was okay to seek revenge. In fact, they taught it was okay to hate your enemy, and we know that that's against God's command. It's against his command that we would love one another, love our neighbor as ourselves. 
Jesus is correcting these issues as he teaches and preaches through this sermon. He corrects that about murder and adultery and divorce and the vows and how we love one another. And in this section, Jesus is also looking as giving alms, as we talked about last week, or our giving. How do we give? Are we drawing attention to ourselves? Are, are we giving so that others will know? And in this section now, he is talking about prayer. The Pharisees, they thought that they were righteous because of their righteous deeds. They made it clear that their motivation was around what they did. And Jesus, in verse 1 of this chapter, says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And last week, I mentioned rewards. It's mentioned throughout this chapter and especially in these first three sections. And here again, Jesus mentions rewards in this particular section of Scripture. And so he begins in verse 5 and says, When you pray... You see, again, he doesn't say if. I told you last week he doesn't say if you give. He says when you give. So there's the expectation that we give. Here Jesus say, says when you pray, and we are to pray by his example, not so that others would see us. The hypocritical Jewish religious leaders pretended that they were something that they were not. Um, they would give the impression of their piety. They would pray in the synagogue out loud. They would pray on the street corner. They would draw attention to themselves. Their motivation to pray was more about themselves than it was about a prayer towards their Father in heaven. In Luke 20, verse 46 and 7, Jesus says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love respect, uh, respectful greetings in the marketplace and the chief seats of the synagogue and the places of honor at the ban banquet who devour widows' houses and for appearance' sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, their desire was to be seen by men. Jesus says they're hypocrites who, who desire to be seen by men. What their pious, what they thought was their closeness to God. And so Jesus, as he is teaching in his, he, in his um, <clears throat> ministry, gives us a great example of this particular uh, scene in a, as he gives a parable about a penitent sinner and a Pharisee. In Luke 18, verse 9 through 14, Jesus says this, And he also told a parable to some of the people who trusted in themselves, and these words are key, in themselves, that they were righteous and viewed others in contempt. 
two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, pay my tithe of all that I get. Now, take note that verse 11 of chapter 18 says the Pharisee was praying to himself. He was not even praying to God. In fact, it would have probably been better for him to just say, Self, now listen to all of my good attributes instead of God, because it says, Jesus says he was praying to himself. Pride had taken over his pride in what he did and who he was that he wanted everyone to be able to see him and hear his words. The tax collector, on the contrary, said, and here's Jesus in verse 13, but the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. <clears throat> this man was speaking truly to God. And Jesus uses the parable because of what he was seeing with the scribes and Pharisees and how they were living out their life. They were not demonstrating a life of righteousness before their father in heaven. It was about themselves. This man was praying to God, demonstrating humility in his prayer. It was a cry of confession. It was a plea of mercy. And God granted his request. There are plenty of... <clears throat> Christians around today that I think we could say do the same thing. <clears throat> Martin Lloyd-Jones tells of a story of when he was walking down the hall <clears throat> in uh, one of the religious institutions, and he said this man would walk down the hall, and as he would come down the hall, uh, if people were coming towards him, he would fall on his knees and raise his hands and just start to pray. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says, <clears throat> I wonder if it was necessary to honor God by falling on your knees when you see people coming forward towards you. Could not have he just went into secret rather than drawing attention to himself by his public and physical demonstration. I will tell you that <clears throat> I question sometimes some of the behavior that we see by our Christian advocates, uh, advocates that will go before the government buildings or the movie theaters or uh, pornography stores or abortion clinics and, and they will have some physical you know, demonstration of their disdain for what is going on. And while there is nothing to be wrong to be against those particular activities, but how you go about it and what your motive is 
compared to what your actions are is important. And Jesus is talking about motives here. Are you praying so that others can see you? Are your actions so that others can view you and how you are living and what you are doing instead of your motivation to talk, simply to talk to your Father in heaven? Jesus gives us a, gives us a solution in, in verse 6. He says, But you, when you pray, go into the inner room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Now, does that mean that we are to never pray in public? Of course not. The Jesus prayed in public. The disciples prayed in public. The, the New Testament church held prayer meetings and prayed in public. But Jesus is talking about the proper purpose of your prayer. Are you talking to God trying to impress others? Or are you talking to God because you need or should be talking to God? So here's an example. A good example is that we give thanks before we eat. It's a good practice. We do it in public. We, well, some of you may do it in public. Not everyone prays out in public. Some do. So here's the thing. Again, you can answer for yourself. If you pray at home over your meal, you should pray out in public over your meal. If you don't pray at home over your meal or when you're alone, but you pray out in public over your meal, you're being a hypocrite. Because you are in public so that people can see you pray over your meal. If, if that's not your habit at home, why would it be your habit in public? But if you have a habit of praying at home, then it should be your habit in public. Christ wants us to have a practice of prayer to him that is motivated by our prayer to him. We are not to be hypocritical to pray only when others can see us, when others want to see us, or we want others to have that desire to see us. So churches have prayer meetings. We had a prayer meeting for our Ash Wednesday service. We broke up into groups and we prayed together over scriptures. And um, that was great. It was, it was a great service, a great time. The early church, as I said, prayed in public. They had prayer meetings. They got together and they broke bread and they prayed together. And God honored that. And so public prayer is fine. Jesus wants us to remember that, that praying to him, praying to our Father in heaven, is something that should be our motivation. And if, if something is getting in our way so that our, our pride becomes a part of who we are, or our pride gets in the way, go into a room, close the door, lay out your heart to God. Go into a room and in secret pray to God. Just pour your heart out to him. In this secluded place, Jesus says, Jesus is concerned about our motive of praying 
not the actual action or the deed of praying. And then in verses 7 and 8, Jesus gives us this practice of prayer. He warns the people against improper practice of prayer. And he says, when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetitions as Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask him. There's two things Jesus is addressing here. He is addressing repetition, and he's addressing the length of prayers. I don't know if you have been um, with someone, and you may say there's times that, Marty, you do this, um, that you just keep praying. It comes like the ever-ready bunny. You just keep on going, long prayers. And um, sometimes that repetition uh, becomes, are you just saying things because you want people to hear them, or are you saying them because you need to say them to God, that God needs to hear your prayer. There are many of you that have experienced um, other faiths. And if you have not experienced other faiths, at least on TV, you have seen those individuals that would go and give confession. And so they, they go in, and the priest tells them, uh, as they confess, go and do so many Hail Marys and rosaries or whatever. Repeat this a number of times, and you'll be forgiven. And so the, the people leave, and they do what they've been told. And just to say that I'm not going to pick on just one specific faith, all of us do the same thing. Every one of us do the same thing. When we have special prayers, when we think about the Lord's Prayer, many of us, when we say the Lord's Prayer, it's a rote thing. It is something that we have memorized, that we know. And so when we say it, are we really saying the Lord's Prayer because we are praying it to our Father in heaven? Formal prayers are okay, there's nothing wrong with them. It's a matter of the repetition and how we carry that out. What is our motive again in our praying? What do we think about when we pray? Is our prayers, are our prayers such that the meaning of them is that we pray to God that we're lifting up our hearts, our minds, to him. George Mueller, just to, to show that there's nothing wrong with repetition prayers if it's for the right motives, George Mueller said he had five friends that he prayed for in his life for salvation. And he said that as he prayed for those five friends, within five years, one of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. He said he continued to pray for the other four, and in another 10 years, two came to Christ. He said then, after 25 years of praying, the fourth person came to Christ. He had one friend that was left that he had been praying for. He prayed for that friend 52 years of his life for salvation. 
And the man never came to salvation while George Mueller was alive. But just a few months after his death, the man came to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the repetition of prayer, when it's with the right motive, is absolutely rightly and righteous. And Jesus is teaching, do it right. Practice your prayer right. It's to have meaning when you come to the Lord in prayer. And he, and he says in that eighth verse, so that you're not, you're not like them in this repetition and these long prayers and this meaningless prayer. He says, for your father knows what you need before you even ask it. I think sometimes we don't understand just how much God cares for us and loves us. Enough that he wants us to talk to him and to have communication with him and to be in prayer with him, to come before him. Does he know our thoughts and minds? Yes. But the proper practice of prayer is to bring our, our concerns before him. <coughs> and my throat is getting worse and worse, so it's going to be... Uh, <coughs> we'll see how it goes the rest of the way. <coughs> So when the, wow, let's try some more water. <clears throat> when we pray to God and lift up our concerns to him, and we do it in the right way, then Philippians 4, we, we ought to keep in the back of our mind. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And here's the thing, in the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Peace comes because we trust in God as we lift our prayers before God, as we pray before God, as we lay our supplications before him with thanksgiving and let God know our request then we have a confidence that there's a peace that will come even in the midst of maybe our heartache or our fear or anxiety. And yes, that answer may be no, it may be wait, maybe yes, but we know that the Lord has, he knows better than we would ever know for ourselves what's good for us, what is for his glory as we live out our life. We can trust him. We can trust him, and we can rest in his care. He hears our prayers as we pray to him. Our confidence should be high, knowing that God already knows what we want, but wants us to be in communication with him. There was an English boy that <clears throat> was watching over his family's flock, and so it was on a Sunday morning, and it was his duty that morning to be in the fields instead of in, ch in the church, and he heard the bells ring of the church. And so he thought to himself, everybody's going to church, and here I am in the field, and what am I going to do? And I don't know how to pray, but maybe I ought to pray. And so he got down on his knees, and he began 
to say his ABCs. And so he was praying, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And the man, there was a man walking to church, and he heard this boy saying his ABCs. And he, he peered through the, the bushes, and he said, hey, young lad, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm praying. He said, well, you're praying your ABCs. Why would you do that? He said, well, I've never been taught how to pray. I just figured if I gave God all the letters, he could put them in the right order, and he would know what I was thinking. What about us? Is it simple as praying our ABCs, maybe? Do we pray? Often, do we take the opportunity that God has given us? Not for long-winded prayers or eloquent prayers. I remember my dad saying when I got accepted to Duke, are you going to pray like some high and haughty uh, pastor that, that we see often? And I'd say, no, Dad, I'm just going to be myself. Pray however God leads me to pray and let it be at that. Um, I don't need to use big words or haughty words or eloquent speech. Uh, God doesn't care about that. Um, we know people that pray very beautiful prayers, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God can take a broken prayer. He can take broken sentences. He can take just single words that you just lay before him because it's about the motive that you pray. It is not about your action in prayer. The purpose of prayer is communication with God. And it's seeking him. It is not about gaining recognition of men. The proper practice of prayer is to bring our needs to him. With simple faith that he knows our needs. He hears our prayers. And he will provide for us. In his will. Jesus prayed, thy will be done. And we're going to talk about that next week. Neither eloquent speech or long prayers or impressive words that you string together is going to impress God. You can't beat God into submission by long repetition to say, for him to say to you, oh, that's enough, I've heard you, okay, just stop already. He's not going to do that. He wants to hear our prayers from our hearts, from our minds, so that we have communication with him. Remember that definition is, it's just simply talking to God. That's what prayer is. It's complex that we get to talk to a wonderful creator who loves us, but it's just simply talking to God. So I'll end with that question again. Have you prayed to God yet on this day? Father God, thank you for your word that reminds us how much you want to talk to us, that you want to be in communication with us. 
We thank you, Father, that you love us enough that you want to hear our request, even though you already know them before we give them to you, because you want that relationship. And so, Father, this morning, I just thank you for the relationship that we have with you as believers. I thank you, Father, that you have given us communication through prayer to talk to you one-on-one. We don't have to go through anyone else. We don't have to pray to anyone else. We pray to you. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done through Jesus, that you have reconciled us back to you. And you want to hear from us. You want to hear from us as we pray to you and make our requests known. Thank you, Father. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.